It's so good to see you all. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, great to see you. Uh, I hope you got some time with friends and family over Christmas and New Year. I know some of you are sharing with me you got too much time with family over Christmas and New Year. Uh, I really hope you had a good time. Uh, you're in 2023. How does that feel? Oh, wow. Really good, eh? You're in 2023. How does that feel? Oh, don't give me your sarcastic cheers. Um, but you know what? It, it might be difficult to get excited in the new year, especially if you watch the news. But let me just say this. God has great things ahead for us this year. He has great things ahead for us. Let me tell you, start by saying this. You know this already, hopefully, but today, this year, sorry, 2023, is our 30th anniversary as a church. Yeah, we turned 30 later this year. Uh, so that's exciting. On the 7th of November, uh, 7th of November in 1993, we met for the first time it, as the church is in its current form with two church congregations coming together. And this year on the 5th of November, remember, remember the 30th anniversary of Kings, um, is 5th of November this year. We're going to celebrate on that Sunday. And I'm really excited to do that. I've got some ideas which I haven't shared yet, so they probably won't happen because someone will say it's silly. But, um, but we're going to celebrate. And whatever that celebration looks like, it's going to be really special for us. Um, and because this is our 30th year, but not just because of that, it's a really good moment, actually. What we normally do in the new year is we start off with like a vision Sunday and we say, hey, this, sun, you know, this Sunday we're going to talk about what's for the year ahead, what we're going to focus on as a church. But actually, there's quite a lot I, f I feel particularly, and as an eldership, we want to communicate with you. Um, and so we're not going to just going to spend one Sunday doing that. We're going to spend a whole series communicating vision and communicating clearly what we feel God has in store for us for the years to come as a church. And ultimately what this church is going to be built on as it has been built on for generations before. So, um, so we're calling this uh, series Foundations um, and it's all about our vision for 2023. And we're going to and really what we're doing is we're gathering together to share what is fundamental to what we believe, but what are we built on as a community, uh, as a church? There's going to be some things in there that I'm not excited about talking about just because basically I'm a bit scared of them, um, which I'll get to in a moment. But also there's some things that I'm really excited to talk about too. Um, and this isn't a new idea. I just, you know, I was reading Nehemiah between Christmas and New Year. And God just reminded me of how this is an old idea. This is an old idea of, of coming together as a community of God and, and allowing God to speak to us about who we are and about what we're built on. Uh, in the book of Nehemiah, in Joshua, in Ezra, Chronicles, just to name a few, that we have these moments where the community leadership, they bring out the scriptures and they share and they, had, they have read the scriptures publicly to everybody, for everybody to hear. Uh, and it was a reminder that you are called. You, not just the person next to you or not, not the guy who got, gets on stage. But you are called by God to be part of the community of God and to see God's rule and reign here on earth. That's what you're called to do. 
It's not a new idea to remind ourselves of that. And that's what really what this series is going to be all about. Where they would have taken out the Torah, it was a promise given to them by God, a covenant between, between God and his people given at Mount Sinai, this covenant that he made. And it would be read in public for all to hear. And it would give an opportunity for all the people who were hearing it to reflect on their lives, reflect on what their families and what them as individuals, what them as a community were built on. And it was a moment in their life for them to say, I choose once again to build my life upon this, on this covenant given by God. And we live not under the old covenant, but under the new covenant given by Jesus at the Last Supper, the new covenant, his blood, his body that was broken. And we live under that covenant. And it's, and it's as a community of Jesus that we together over the next few months are going to say, we choose once again to make that foundational, not just to us as a church, but actually personally in my life, I want to make you foundational, Jesus. I want to build my life upon you. Nothing else upon you. So, um, so this series, um, I've got a slide here. Uh, I don't know if you can read that. I'm sorry, I did copy and paste it. I'll read them out for you anyway. So from January to March, we're going to look at this morning is God's word, prayer, worship, ministry of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, uh, belonging, community, discipleship, generosity, serving, evangelism, church planting, and world mission. And we're going to take 12 weeks, really, and I guess you could call it that Nehemiah and Ezra reading of gathering together and saying, hey, this is what we're committed to. This is what we're building our lives on individually, but actually as a church, what we're going to build, what's going to be foundational to what we do for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, hopefully 100 years, where, unless Jesus comes back, which would be glorious. But that's what we're going to build upon. Now, you will look at that list and think, well, you've missed something there, Mike. Or, you know, the eldership overlooks. I, I know there's lots of things that we haven't put in there that we, we count as central to what we do. But these are things that we just feel a sense of we want to take a breath and actually put these in and say, hey, these are foundational blocks and we want to point them out and reflect on these things at this moment in time. Okay, so that's what it's going to look like. And this morning, we start with the first foundational block. And I, look, there's no expense spared here. None. Uh, I have a foundational block. Um, and we have, believe it or not, 12 of these. We really didn't save it. And Phil kindly popped down to Houston's or wherever he popped. I don't know where you buy this stuff from, if I'm being honest. Just pretend to know. And the first one is the Word of God. See, I'm holding that with one hand. My strength knows no limits, right? Um, the Word of God. And it looks small at the moment, but remember, we're going to have 12 of these foundational blocks that we're going to build. Uh, I told Mags this week I was going to build a wall on the stage. She said, what, we're cement. <laughs> Sorry. No, not an actual wall. Just We're just going to put blocks down. And we're going to build, and hopefully as the weeks go on, it oh, cements into your mind. Um, sorry, I thought of that on the spot. Cements into your mind, actually. As, as a church, we want to be built on these things. But as an individual, actually, God, come and speak to us about how my life needs to be built on these things. 
Amen. Okay, let me pray and then we're going to jump into the Word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. I thank you so much for a new year. I thank you, Lord, for my church family. Lord, I'm so excited to, uh, for another year of pursuing you, Jesus, together in community. And Lord, as we, uh, I guess, spiritually call people to come and, and open up your word, Lord, and ask what is it that this community is built on. Lord, I pray that you would move in power and, Lord, you would call people that are supposed to be part of us but are not yet there, uh, whether they need to know you, Jesus, as the Lord and Savior for the first time or whether, Lord, there are people that you're calling to be part of what you're doing here who haven't yet found a church to be part of. But, Lord, I also pray for the people who have been here since 30 years ago and beyond that before we met as two, two congregations came together. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to them about the fact that your mercies are new every morning, how there is endless, Lord, love from you and how you're not finished with them yet. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you that you've got so much for us. And Lord, we might watch the news and not be excited about this year, but Lord, help us to look at you and be excited about what you're gonna do in my life and in my church this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we start with the first foundational block, the Word of God, which is the Bible, the Holy Bible. And it's called holy because it is set apart from any other book. I figure this is a good time to talk about the Bible because this is a great time. You're not too late to jump into the Bible in one year program. Uh, and there has never been and never will be another book like the Bible that is being written by man, inspired completely by God, written over 1,500 years with over 40 authors, 1,189 chapters. And to date, it's been translated into well over 2,000 languages. And did you know, ironically, the Bible is the most stolen book in the world? Did you know that? There are over 5 billion copies in print. It was also the first book to be read in outer space. Did you know that? I put this one in for John. I think he did like that fact. Astronauts, Bill Anders, Jim Lavelle, and Frank Borman, the first humans to travel to the moon, recited verses 1 to 10 of Genesis 1. And, and they read it out as they were circling around the moon. Can you imagine that? But like I said, this book is holy. It's set apart from all other books, and that is because it is God-breathed. So our first scripture, 2, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is, read it for me, God-breathed. God it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the Apostle Paul tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. Listen, if you have a Bible with you right now, it's special. It's so special. God breathed it into being. And, and, and he says, breathe into being, and, and it, it should bring back a little memory of a scripture that perhaps you've read before. And for the original audience, it would have brought back uh, a picture for them. And it's the creation account of Genesis. And these words would have been taken, uh, for the original audience, would have 
led them to that picture in Genesis 2-7. Uh, in the beginning, God created Adam, the first human, and he, what did he do? He breathed his life into Adam, and Adam became a living, created being. And he did something that he did for nothing else in creation. He breathed his life into him. Something miraculous happened. And without that breath, without that breath, Adam would have just been organized dust. Without the word, without the breath of God, this book would just be another book. But it's not just another book. It is God breathed. He was born and created in the image of God. Adam was born and created in the image of God. And this book was born and created with God's breath. And Paul is teaching, Paul is teaching like God breathed his spirit into man. God breathed his spirit into these words. And, and we see Paul and Peter tell us that all these scriptures, all of these writings, although they were written by men, you know, kings, fishermen, priests, government officials, farmers, shepherds, doctors, Paul and Peter teach us that the, the scriptures that they wrote, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. When you pick this up, you read something that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1, 20 to 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative, nor those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God to you. To you. The words of the prophets and the apostles were written under the supernatural direction of the Holy Spirit. They were spoken from God, written down by man. And because these are God-breathed words, it means that they possess life. Hebrews 4, 12 tells us, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is alive and it is active in your life today, if you allow it to be. It is active today. When you read it, it has the power to transform you from the inside, right in the depths of your being, to speak to you in the power of God. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I can be going through something in my life and I think, God, I, I'm stuck. I lack wisdom. I lack understanding. I lack knowing what is the best thing to do. And I don't know if you're like me, but I can be reading, reading my Bible and I find that, oh, this applies to what I'm going through right now. Has anybody ever noticed that? Ever, ever, give me a wave if that's ever happened to you where it just seems to apply to exactly what you're struggling with right now. Well, that, that's because it is alive and it is God wanting to speak to you and it has the ability, like a double-edged sword, to cut right through the circumstances, to cut right through all of your defenses and to get right through into your life and God to speak to you where you are and what you're going through. You don't need to be a theologian for God to speak to you through the word of God. He wants to speak to you. I was a 13-year-old snotty-nosed kid the first time God used this book to speak to me. And, it, and that word has never left me because it was like a double-edged sword cutting right through everything 
and into my heart. And God wants to speak to you through it. And the Bible, if, the, if we really believe that this book is the word of God, if we really believe that it is alive, if we really believe that it is God-breathed, then we should cherish it. We should, we should study it. We should obey it and we should trust it completely. Completely. Interestingly, um, I read this week, I never knew this because I don't read the Quran. But do you know how the Quran refers to you as a Christian? Do you know how? Anybody know that? Maybe someone knows. Uh, well, one of the ways is help us. It's one of the ways it refers to us. But the most common and frequent term used in the Quran to refer to you as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, is people of the book. People of the book. And they call Christians that because they recognize that we are a community who have received divine scripture. They recognize that we have received at some point a book that is divine, that is from God. Isn't that interesting? You are called a person of the book. (laughs) But are we? Are we people of the book? You know, today, the Bible is available whenever, wherever you want it. It, it, It's on your smartphone. You don't even, like, you know, there used to be a time you used to have to get on a train, and if you wanted to read your Bible, it was like, kaboom, you know, and you had to be really open about it. Now you can just read it on your phone. No one even knows what you're reading. You can listen to it. There's amazing apps. There's one called Dwell. It's beautiful. Like, you can have this guy with a deep, rich voice read the Bible to you, you know. And it puts, like, beautiful music in the background, sends you straight to sleep. It's brilliant. You can read it on your iPads. You can, there's five billion copies of this in the world. We have access to the Bible whenever we want. We have things like the Bible Project. Have you guys seen that? Bible Project is just amazing. They make like, you know, beautiful cartoons for you to watch to understand deep biblical concepts and have podcasts for you to listen to so you can basically become a theologian. There is unbelievable amounts of resources and ways to access the Bible. You can have it read to you if you struggle reading. You can, you can watch videos of it if you prefer watching things. And you would think that with all of those things that we have access to, that, that there would be more readership among Christians. You know, I'm not talking about the, everybody else right now in the world. I'm talking about just believers. You would think that there would be more uptake in the Bible than ever before, wouldn't you? In 2019, a survey by the Bible Society, 2019, it released a survey which, which showed that most Christian millennials, um, that's, that's the generation right now who are supposed to be taking the baton from the previous generation and passing it on to the generation coming after, that most millennials, 51%, 51% only read their Bible a couple of times a year. 51%, over half, pick it up couple of times a year there are nine percent of that generation nine percent less than ten percent that pick it up every day nine percent that pick it up every day so I just want to make a point really clear before we go any any further let me just be 
really clear with you. God loves you right now. That his love for you is perfect, just as you are right now. You don't need to jump through hoops. You don't need to be this super disciplined, get up, do 60 push-ups, read 10 chapters of the Bible before you go and get your coffee. You don't need to be that person for God to love you. He loves you just as you are right now. Right now. He doesn't love the 51% that pick it up a couple of times a year less than he loves the 9% that pick it up every day. Are you with me? Just right now he loves you. But he has so much to share with you. So much. Feels like a long time ago now. Jenny and I started courting. Uh, do you remember the courting? Um, and uh, and we, uh, she was 16. I was a couple of years older. And we uh, used to write each other love letters. Do you remember that? Love letters. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm so sweet, aren't I? And um, used to write each other love letters. And I used to write in there all that I thought about when I thought of her and used to write about my love for her and everything I hoped for about our future and I used to write it down on a piece of paper and I used to put it in a sealed envelope and I used to spray some aftershave on it. <coughs> David Beckham. Um, David Beckham aftershave. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah, class. Never lose it. And I used to go down the, she used to live on the same street. She used to live down the street with her parents and I used to live in a house full of guys. And uh, I remember this one night, I had to get this letter to her and she had a letter for me too. Do you remember this? And she and her parents were in bed and uh, she was up in a bedroom window at the front of the house and I climbed up the window below to pass her the letter and to get the letter. Oh, I know, I'm so romantic, aren't I? And, um, and I took it back and... And I read it, just intently read it, read every word that she put to me about her love for me, about her care for me, about, about everything she dreamed of, everything that she hoped that would happen with us, everything, everything that she thought about when she thought of me. It was, it was amazing. And let me say, like, just like I used to intently read those letters, I need a wave of hands for who else did this, by the way, in their relationship, yeah? Doug, I didn't know you had it in you. It's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> still got them. We still got ours. Isn't that funny? But just like I would receive those letters and read them intently, learning more about Jenny and who she was and learning more about her, her love for me, God desires for you to know his love for you. This is a love letter to you. It's a, it's a book full of promises and care and faithfulness and hope and a future. This book is for you. It's a love letter to you. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace 
that you have been saved. It is his love that he wants to share with you how deep and how wide and how vast it is, how faithful it is. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful. God wants to communicate that with you. But not just that. This book is so much more. We've just read, haven't we? It's good for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It is given by God to equip you, believer, saint. It is to equip you for everything that the enemy and the world has to throw at you. And trust me, it's a lot. But it is to equip you. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a really challenging world. Really challenging. And we can be left feeling a bit stuck, a bit stranded at times, and a bit lost. And we need guidance. You need guidance. It's pre-planned, don't worry. The world is dark. It just is. It's dark. And some of you, it looks nice with the twinkly lights, isn't it? But the reality is for some of you, you feel at times like you're all in the dark. Lost. I love it when a word comes from the front before I get up. Graham said, some of you just sat there not knowing which path to take which way to go, unsure, uncertain. The word of God is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light on my path. You see, going for a walk in the dark isn't advisable, is it? It's just not. But yet, if I've got this light, I can just look down with certainty. I might not know what's ahead, but I just know my next step is okay. I know what God's saying to me about the next step, about the next thing. I might not be able to see out into the distance. I can't see faces back there. I don't see any of you. I can maybe make you out, but I can't be certain, but I can be certain about this because I've got a lamp at my feet. I can see my next step. And I feel like this is so important for some people in this room here this morning. You came in this morning just feeling like you trip up every week, every year, great, another year, here we go. I wonder what's gonna happen this year. The word of God, it makes you certain about your next step. It makes you certain that God is with you. It's a love letter to you. So maybe you're feeling lost feeling a sense of uncertainty this morning, a lack of wisdom in what to do next in that situation because I don't know how to deal with that person. I don't know how to deal with that situation. I don't know what to pray. Well, the word of God, it will light your path. It will show you the way. It will show you what's next. The enemy wants you to walk without the light. The enemy wants you to trip up. The enemy wants you to be in the dark and know you're in the dark. But God's desire for you and his gift for you is to help you navigate those difficult paths by showing you where you're walking. 
we can put the lights back on if that's possible. It might knock the projectors out, but we'll take the risk. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. This is such an incredible psalm. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord or scripture. And the one who meditates on his law day and night, the one who meditates on your word day and night, Lord, that person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You might have come in feeling lost, feeling like you're in the dark, feeling like a dried up, withered piece of dried fruit this morning. But the Bible promises, and I want to finish by saying a couple of things, the Bible promises you that the one who puts his word as a foundational block in your life, who meditates on it day and night, who sees it as a light unto your path, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit, leaves not withering. I want to encourage you as you start a new year to once again make this book, God breathes, alive, sharper than a double-edged sword, allow it to cut into your life and to change you from the inside. And with his Holy Spirit as you guide, as you read it, as you meditate on it, find that it brings you life. Find that it brings you nourishment. Find that God renews his promises to you. Find that you fall in love more and more with a God who loves you. And as a church, we put this foundational brick down. And we say we're not interested in what the world says is okay. We're interested in what God says is okay. We're not interested in news reports for our security. We're interested in the word of God and his security. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. We've had it all said this morning. It's been amazing. He is the one. I lift my eyes to the, to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. These promises are what we build our life on. Not what our bank accounts say, not what the news reports say, not what the world says, but on the word of God. And a church built on the word of God... <laughs> will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just pray, and I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to finish in one last song of worship. Why don't we stand? Lord Jesus, I pray right now for those in the room who feel a sense of you stirring them and challenging them in the way that you do so lovingly, to once again pick up their word. Lord, would we be a church that defeats the statistics? 
where the statistics say that only 51% 51 of this church pick this up a couple of times a year. Lord, will we be a church that defies the statistics? And Lord, a church that is in love with your word. Father, help me in my uh, lack of discipline and my lack of commitment towards you and help me to understand, Lord, that as I respond to you, I'm responding to your commitment to me. Thank you, Lord, that your love towards me is not dependent on me being a good Christian. You call me by name. You call each of us by name to you. But Lord, you want to continue to tell us about your love for us through this book. Some of it, some of it is hard to read. Some of it is hard to understand. And I thank you, Lord, for the resources that you put, you've put into this world for us to help us. Help us to be devoted to you. So Lord, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit who gives us strength we cannot understand that you would spark into us, Lord, an excitement. You would fan into flame a passion for your word. And as a church, Lord, as the world attacks us, which it no doubt will in years to come for our biblical stance, and Lord, as the world comes against us and we are more and more of a minority in terms of standing on the word of God, would you help us as a church to link arms and to unite and say, on the word of God, this church is built. And on the word of God, this church will stand. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to love this book, not individually, but together, to be committed to your word together and Lord as a church we want to say that we are built upon your word thank you Lord for the scriptures thank you Father fan into flame a passion and a desire to understand more about you in Jesus mighty name we pray everybody say Amen